the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. What are your favorite children's books? I'm a rolled doll, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark kind of guy myself. Uh, what, what about you, man? Yeah, uh, Noel is my name, and I, too, is a Roald Dahl fan. I ate that stuff up. It, I, it sounds cliche, but those really were the books that kind of taught me how to love to read. Because <laughs> he's just so, he's such a... I don't know, what do you call it, like a fabulous? Like his stories just have so many great characters and they always go somewhere interesting and there's like a morality tale kind of, but it's not too heavy-handed and I don't know, it's a little trippy and, and there's darkness and there's stakes, you know what I mean? I just, I loved Roald Dahl so much. Oh, yep, that's right, I forgot. I'm Ben Bolin. I still have a name in the times of quarantine, uh, and I am with you there, Noel. Uh, one thing that I thought was so interesting as a kid is that I always, for years, thought Roald Dahl's name was misspelled. It was a typo. I thought it was Ronald Dahl, uh, and that was missing. But there is this great darkness to his work. Uh, shout out to George's uh, Marvelous Medicine, I believe is the title. The entire story is about this kid who uh, has to give his grandmother medicine while his parents are away at the market or something for a day. And the whole book is about how he plans to kill her through poison. It is fantastic. I reread it, still holds up. Yeah, I mean, The Witches is is genuinely terrifying. But we're not talking about Roald Dahl today. We already did that episode. Remember when he was like a badass fighter pilot and mm -hmm. possibly the 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 real life um, um, guy that uh, James Bond was based on because he definitely mm -hmm. hung out with Ian Fleming. Uh, that's a really good one from the back catalog, folks. If you haven't heard that one, I definitely would check it out. Today we're talking about a markedly less dark beloved piece of children's literature about a, a monkey uh, and a man in a, in a yellow hat. 
Yes, an inquisitive man, uh, a, an inquisitive monkey, and a tolerant authoritarian. How about that? Uh, before we begin, shout out, of course, our super producer, Casey Pegram. Still rocking that uh, retro Windows background. How you doing, Case? I'm just I'm just loving this green field and uh, and blue sky. You know, it's there's nothing better. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with it. Is there like vaporwave music playing on repeat, just like dripping from the clouds and coming up from the gray, the green grass? Absolutely, it's uh it, it's 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 quite a thing. You guys will have to experience it firsthand. Yeah, it looks pretty <laughs> pretty trippy, my friend. Yeah, there better be some vaporwave going on over there. Yes, this is a story about. Curious George, about the creators of Curious George. Now, as you said, Noel, that's a, an inquisitive little primate. Uh, now he is famous, especially in the West. He's known the world over. Uh, he was the brainchild of a Jewish-German couple named Hans and Margaret Ray. That's right. Um, Hans and Margaret Ray, uh, Hans being the uh, illustrator and Margaret being the writer, lived in Rio de Janeiro in the 1930s. And there they had two pet monkeys. Um, and those pet monkeys became the uh, inspiration for a character they created named Fifi, who is described in a lovely Mental Floss article as an impish, inquisitive monkey. I love impish. I also like puckish. Uh, but they eventually moved to Paris to when the Nazis were occupying France, and they were forced to flee for their lives, carrying with them the manuscripts uh, for the uh, story that we now know and love, and and we couldn't picture a world without Curious George, um, tucked under their arms and and escaping for freedom. Uh, this is the story of how that story, Curious George, came to be and kind of morphed from their original concept and how the Rays made that uh, intensely dangerous and brave escape from Nazi-occupied France. Yes, yeah, and we're, we're going to... Uh, start with some background. Let's start in lighter times, right? Less heavy-hearted times. Hans Augusto Ray was born in September in 1898 in Hamburg, Germany. He grew up, by the way, near the Hagenbeck Zoo, and this gave him uh, two lifelong loves, loved animals, and he loved drawing. The woman who would become his wife, Margaret Elizabeth Waldstein, was born in Hamburg in 1906, this is this is a neat little rom-com moment for them because they met just briefly when Margaret was a young girl before she left Hamburg to study art. Uh, and they have one of those beautiful relationships where they can remember all the significant moments. So he remembers first seeing her at a party at her dad's house in Germany. She was sliding down the banister. So fast forward a little bit. Hans moves in 1924. That's that's where he ends up in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, after he served in World War I. He was sketching, he was painting, he was also, uh, he was a roving plumbing fixtures salesman. He was going, this is so weird, it sounds like something from a Kurt Vonnegut or Donald Barthelme story. He was riding up and down the Amazon selling plumbing fixtures as part of his uh, family business. I miss the the old days of the traveling salesman, don't you, Ben? Feels like a bygone era, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever see that documentary about the Globesman? No. It's this documentary about these guys who 
I, you know, I can't remember if I'm thinking of the documentary version or the mockumentary version with Fred Armisen, uh, but there's there's some great documentaries and mockumentaries out there about the harrowing life of traveling salesmen. It's often not a very glamorous life, even in the heyday, uh, but check out Documentary Now if you haven't seen it. It's uh, it's fantastic. Have you guys seen that? It seems like you would have seen I've it. Seen, I've seen multiple episodes. I just haven't seen that one. My favorite one is the one that makes fun of uh, Stephen Sondheim, the musical one. It's mm-hmm. like in the 70s and they're like, you know, just feverishly smoking cigarettes like in the in, in the studio and making these uh, kind of uh, very uh, Baroque and um, rapid fire lyric kind of like Broadway type pieces with uh, what's his name john mulaney playing like the stephen sondheim type character it's yeah so oh yeah so to the point he's he's living this uh salesman life for about 10 years Right. But then in 1935, uh, in Rio de Janeiro, um, Hans had moved there and was selling bathtubs now. And Margaret was uh, making her uh, first escape from the uh, just awful situation in Germany, um, where she was obviously uh, very unsafe and needed to flee. Um, She convinced Hans to get out of the family uh, bathtub selling business. Um, and they started to join forces on uh, some creative projects together. They actually opened an advertising agency, uh, which there hadn't been one up to that point in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and that is, you know, I, I always think of this era of like Mad Men, like those really beautiful uh, illustrated uh, advertisement posters kind of, you know, and that's the kind of work that Hans did. That was a very, that was how you made money as an artist in those days. And that was kind of how he got his start. And Margaret wrote the ad copy. So they were kind of a dynamic duo from the start. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they married that same year. They reunited August 16th, 1935. Uh, all of the contemporary accounts of them are very kind at a very nice, uh, you know, affectionate relationship. And people unanimously agreed that they were a very well-matched couple it's funny because, you know, picture, dear listeners, the face of Curious George in your head. There are people who were friends with them at the time who will swear up and down that Hans modeled the face of Curious George after the face of his wife. Uh, now, on the offset, you know, that might sound a little bit insulting, but it was it was a cute thing. And if that's indeed what he intended to do, then surely he intended it as an homage rather than some kind of weird joke. Hey, man, monkeys are cute. I, I, I see no problem with that. And Curious George is, is probably the quintessential cute cartoon monkey because some of them uh, are like aggressive and they like throw poop at you or something. Curious George is an absolute sweetheart and he might have gotten into some mischief. Sure. But he always had the best of intentions, didn't he? He had a heart of gold, that Curious George. Um, so, yeah, it makes perfect sense that he he probably felt that the goodness of the character uh, mimicked the goodness that, that, that shone from within his, his lovely wife. Um, so they were initially going to spend a honeymoon in Paris in 1936, uh, and they ended up staying for four years heard that story before and they were in fact brazilian citizens with passports and everything uh and they took up residence and they uh, i don't know i'm gonna get you to help me with this casey the terras hotel double r double s yeah i think it's i think it's terras yeah terras hotel it's terras hotel casey on the case 
uh, and that would be on the Rue uh, Josef de Maistre. Oh, that's, yeah, guys, I butchered that one. M-A-I-S-T-R-E. Yeah, Joseph de, de Maestro. Yeah, that means the Joseph the Master. Uh, and they stayed in apartment 505. What what a, a romantic time period. It reminds me of that movie Midnight in Paris, that uh, Woody Allen movie, um, where, you know, all of the... Uh, Gertrude Stein and Hemingway and all the, you know, the dead uh, romantics. Yeah, Fitzgerald, exactly. Scott Fitzgerald come back and they're kind of like Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali or like haunting Paris. But that era where you could take up residence in a pretty decent hotel, you know, uh, in in Paris. That sounds like a pretty cool adventure. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So what happened next? So uh, they they were living um, a pretty pretty bucolic, nice existence. They wrote and illustrated children's books, but in a very lighthearted version of Heath Ledger's The Joker. It wasn't about the money. It was about sending a message. Uh, this is where Hans publishes his first children's book, 
uh, this, this sweet story. He drew some newspaper cartoons of a giraffe. A French publisher asked him to expand on this drawing, and that's how we got Raffi and the Nine Monkeys. So he was always into monkeys as a children's author, and this eventually marks the debut of the breakout character that we know today as Curious George. After they published Rafi and the Nine Monkeys, they decided that George needed a book all his own. So they started working on this. And they said, you know, let's just describe him as curious. Let's make it part of his name. But as you know, historians, during the late 1930s and the 40s, things were very tense in Europe. And before their manuscripts, what would become the Curious George book, before it could be published, the Rays, because they both were of German-Jewish extraction, found themselves in a terrible situation. The Nazi party was tearing through Europe, and they had a laser focus on France. They were, in fact, going to take Paris, as far as people at the time could tell. And they were already starting to get uncomfortable because, you know, news of the war is sort of on the distant horizon and it's getting closer and closer and closer. So to be safe, they flee their apartment in Paris and they go to a chateau in the countryside. This is cool. It's an old castle owned by some friends of theirs. We have a letter from Hans where he said, quote, it feels ridiculous to be thinking about children's books, but life goes on. The editors edit, the artists draw, even during wartime, and then things start to go south. Yeah, it's it's that kind of situation you see, and I think there's a there's a German film about this period called "The Lives of Others." I want to say where pe- people are being like informed upon by you know it's like total 1984 type material, where even like people's kids are informing on their parents, and you know horrible stuff like that. And there's like surveillance going on, um, and you know there's just this air of suspicion um, that's just like taking you know the the city by storm. And there are some suspicious villagers that report uh, this very strange couple with the strange German accents, gasp, living in this old castle, uh, and they're reported to the Gestapo. Yes, this is an incredibly paranoid time. Any student of history can see how quickly people will turn on one another, especially if they feel like turning on someone will help them in their own mission of self-preservation. The authorities weren't going there because they thought they were going to arrest people of Jewish heritage. They were going there because they thought they were going to discover French resistance members, you know, people with the materials and the know-how to make bombs. Hans assured the police, hey, me and my wife, we're just here writing children's books. Hey, check this out. I mean, they sound like the nicest people, don't they? He's like, hey, look at look at these sketches. <laughs> look I, at my, I, check out, look at my monkey. Do you think it looks kind of like my wife? I think it's sweet. <laughs> I think it's super sweet. Yeah, and I'm sure that the I'm sure the Nazis thought that too. Yeah, no, they they didn't. Um, but no, they 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 definitely uh, didn't get like executed summarily or anything. They were able to more or less convince the authorities that they were just writing these lovely works of children's fiction. At the time, was known as the Adventures of Fifi, uh, which detailed the the adventures and misadventures of uh, you know the. Uh, the titular inquisitive monkey um and so they were like oh these guys are clearly idiots uh they're 
they're not sleeper agents. No, I'm kidding. I'm just be- I'm, I'm trying to think, get inside the head of a Nazi. They're just so mean. They just think things like that about lovely people. Um, but they took off, right? And the Rays uh, were able to, you know, live to sketch and write another day. Uh, but this did prove to not be the last run-in that they had. Uh, they, and they realized that this was uh, not going to be a tenable situation. Yeah, exactly. They said, you know, that was kind of a close call. How how many more close calls can we expect? We have to go back to Paris. So they went back to Paris and they started trying to emigrate from France. But you can only imagine the paperwork. It's already difficult to emigrate uh, from a country during peacetime. So this is much more difficult. And Add to this the fact that more and more refugees are mobbing into the city, and all they can do is hope that they get their paperwork in line in enough time to leave before the fall of France and before the Nazis take over. And unfortunately, on May 10th, 1940, Adolf Hitler sent three million troops into France. People were fleeing by the thousands. The Germans on June 14th, I believe, captured Paris. I can't even fathom that kind of force. It makes me think of like the orcs in Lord of the Rings or something. I mean, it is just like an unstoppable like wall of, of humans uh, with guns and intent on doing horrible things to uh, incredibly innocent people. Um, ugh, a terrible time to be alive. But they, uh, they were very, very lucky. They were able to plot this escape that sounds like, again, like something out of a Kurt Vonnegut book. Or like uh, some sort of steampunk adventure novel, or have you ever seen the movie The Triplets of Belleville? Which reminds me of that kind of whimsical stuff. So good. But they were able to get some money from selling that first manuscript for uh, for The Adventures of Fifi. And the uh, publishers gave them enough loot to fund their escape. So they were able to really squirrel that away. And uh, they spent uh, what would have equaled an entire month of rent on... Um, a bunch of bicycle parts that they uh, were able to get from a bicycle shop that had sold out of actual bicycles uh, because people were just trying to flee in any way they possibly could. And they were able to kind of, you know, ramshackle together these two sort of improvised bikes and in their bicycle baskets uh, in true Parisian form, they carried uh, bread like probably a giant baguette, I hope, uh, cheese and water and five of their manuscripts, including Fifi. Um, and they escaped Paris in the early morning hours of June 12th of 1940, just before the Nazis captured the city. Yep, just two days before. I want to emphasize that point. They did not escape with clothing. They did, you know, extra clothing. They did not escape with medical supplies. They literally had enough food to eat for uh, some short amount of time, and their books. The first day, they rode 30 miles south. They hid in a farmhouse. Think about this. You go from living uh, a relatively beautiful existence in an old castle. Now you're on the run in some MacGyvered bicycles, and you're sleeping in barns. They could still, from 30 miles away, hear the Germans shelling the city, The next day, they made another 20 miles. Uh, They went south again, and they slept in a barn. They continue, and uh, you know they find a train on June 14th. 
when they're about 75 miles south of Paris, and they say, hey, if we hop this train, we can get to the Spanish border. And they were very, very lucky. As they rode the train that night, bombs fell on more and more cities behind them. And this is interesting because, okay, so Fifi, the book that we know of as the debut of Curious George, has already saved them twice, right? Once uh, from suspicion of the local authorities, right? And then once uh, giving them enough money to get those bike parts and escape. Fifi came through for them again, right? Because once again, somebody thought, hey, is this delightfully whimsical couple actually a pair of spies? Yeah, once again, mental floss for the win in their breakdown of this uh, this incredible story. One of the officers uh, believed that they were smuggling some kind of government secrets uh, in in that dossier, you know, which obviously, as we know, just contained their manuscripts. Um, and he insisted that they open up the uh, the folder or the, the 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 briefcase, I guess, is what it looked like to them and and uh, show them what they had and then just like the first time monkey books you know that's all that's all they are pretty pretty innocuous <laughs> i'd love to show you my sketches officer tell me who do you think this monkey looks like who do you, margaret come here come here margaret stand next to the stand next to monkey. you guys don't want to see it you can read it <laughs> i love it i this feels there's almost a um Wes Anderson vibe to this escape, you know? It's certainly uh, serendipitous is all get out. They keep lucking out. They escape Paris two days before the bombing. You know, and obviously, you know, I'm sure the reality of this was a lot less charming than cobbling together bicycle pieces in some Jules Verne kind of like contraption or whatever is what I'm picturing. And then their bike baskets overflowing with breads and cheeses. And I mean, this was like undercover of dark, you know, escaping with your lives at the last minute, you know, from the jaws of, of horrible death. Uh, and every time you got stopped by one of these officers, you were narrowly, you, you were in at risk of, of being found out and being just executed or taken to one of the camps you know i mean it's just i can't even imagine the amount of uh pressure they must have felt or just the amount of like constant stress and never feeling safe and always having to keep moving you know yeah tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yes you heard that right you can talk to a human on the discover customer service team anytime so the next time you have a question about your credit card call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One interesting thing, too, about that third close brush uh, with arrest or discovery is that this time, this third time, the authorities suspected them of being German spies because we have to remember they had German accents. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that they kept leaning on this notion that they were spies and not just, you know, accuse them of being Jews and just like, you know, be done with it. Because uh, I'm sure Nazi officers have, have done far, far worse. Uh, but they once again escaped. They were handed back their manuscripts and sent on their merry way. Yeah. But once again, super narrow escape. Mm -hmm. And then 11 days later, they arrive in Lisbon, Portugal, which I always wanted to visit. They wait for months and months. They cross the Atlantic to Brazil, and then eventually they sail for New York City, where a friend of theirs named Grace Hogarth has just been hired as a children's book editor at Houghton Mifflin. The publishing house is still around today. And she loved the book, so she didn't just sign them on for a U.S. contract. She signed them on for a four-book contract, and they decided to rename Fifi to George. They felt George was a little more masculine. Uh, we we have also you know, a publicity brochure from Houghton Mifflin that shows the publishers leaned into the biography of the authors. You know what I mean? They, they were using it as a way to sell the book. Uh, and it was all true. And I don't think it was exploitative, but it definitely helped 
uh, with the debut of Curious George in the States. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is powerful stuff. Uh, in June 1940, on a rainy morning before dawn, a few hours before the Nazis entered, we left Paris on bicycles with nothing but warm coats and our manuscripts, Curious George among them, tied to the baggage racks and started pedaling south. We finally made it to Lisbon by train, having sold our bicycles to customs officials at the French-Spanish border. After a brief interlude in Rio de Janeiro, our migrations came to an end one clear, crisp October morning in 1940 when we saw the Statue of Liberty rise above the harbor of New York, and we landed in the USA. We took a small apartment in New York's Greenwich Village, rolled up our sleeves, and were ready to start from scratch. That's pretty, I mean, that's, if that's not like an immigration success story, I don't know what is. I mean, obviously, they just, they had this dream. They knew what they had. They knew how precious those manuscripts were. They protected them with their lives, you know? I mean, they they, they were more concern with bringing those and, and and being careful you know to have them not be damaged or taken than they were about bringing more warm clothes and things like that so uh really really it's it's so amazing to see when someone really knows um that they're onto something and and of course they absolutely were and you can confirm this first thanks to uh lit hub where you can read the German Jewish refugees who created Curious George, but you can also find the gritty day by day meticulous notations of their uh, of their escape in the collection at the University of Southern Mississippi. It's the H. A. and Margaret Ray collection. This is the basis for a, a book by Louise Borden called "The Journey That Saved Curious George." Uh, you can also see a documentary about this journey, uh, which was in 2017. And now, you know, we we reach um, sort of the conclusion of today's episode. But of course, you want to know how Curious George is doing, right? Uh, this is an award-winning series. They continue to write. Uh, they had a beautiful relationship there was a little bit of misogyny for a second, though, not on Hans's part, but uh, they, for a time, uh, Margaret's name was not appearing on the first, I think the first few books, because mm. publishers thought too many women were writing children's books, so a guy's name would sell better. Tut tut. E yikes. No good. But now we remember both of these incredible humans for uh, not only their harrowing escape from Nazi-occupied uh, Paris, but for the amazing work that they brought into the world. I mean, it's been made into, you know, every every generation grows up with Curious George. You know, I remember I was I grew up in Germany, and I remember the books were huge. I, I read the German language versions. Um, and uh, then when I was a little older, there was a cartoon version. And then when my daughter uh, was growing up, there were movies uh, that brought Jack Johnson back into the public eye uh, with his uh, delightful Curious George soundtrack. Um, so thanks to the Rays for uh, for bringing Jack Johnson back into my life. Mm -hmm. And you'll be happy to know their legacy continues. There's 75 million copies of Curious George out there in the world. They've been sold in over a dozen languages uh, and you know, Curious George went on to uh, have many other close calls that were thankfully fictional. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we want to hear about your favorite children's stories or young adult books. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's an interesting story behind their evolution and origin as well. 
let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, not just as a show, but as individuals. That's right. You can find me and my quarantine adventures uh, or misadventures, sort of like a curious monkey, um, only locked in like a three bedroom uh, house in uh, in Atlanta. Um, that is at How Now Noel Brown on Instagram. And you can find me at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Bolin on Instagram. Uh, you can, you know, I, I'm around. You can find me somewhere on the internet. And you can also find on the internet our pal slash nemesis, the Quister, a.k.a. Jonathan Strickland, who assures us that he will be making an appearance soon. But you all, longtime listeners, know the game. He's not going to tell us when it happens. He's just going to show up and ruin the ending of a person perfectly good episode yeah it's gonna be one of those zoom bombs we keep hearing so much about you know he's just gonna come in and wreck the party huge thanks to super producer casey pegram as always thanks to alex williams for composing our theme christopher hasiotis here in zoom spirit thanks as always to uh roll doll shell silverstein hans and margaret ray and uh hey Noel, thanks to you and you as well ben we'll see you next time folks For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.